Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that is looking forward to a summer of staying indoors and watching more movie and TV content. I'm James Rothwell. I'm Dan Acton. This week, we'll talk about what we've been watching, cover some real news. For conflicts of interest, we're going to try to predict what the top grossing films of the summer will be, now that cinemas are open. And our main review is The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Is it The Conjuring or is it The Conjuring? That's the hot topic. I'm going to say Conjuring. Okay, you, you. it's your franchise, I think. So we'll go with Conjuring. What have you been up to? So I have dipped my toe into the fountain of normalcy this week. I went out for a meal with friends and it was very nice. We had a Chinese meal. We had a banquet. It was lovely. We took my son. We got quite drunk, a bit too drunk maybe. He had a nappy incident, four in the morning. I was a bit worse for wear. Took him down, changed his nappy, got back in bed, woke up the next morning with feces all over my foot. That's that. That's that's what happened to me. On your on your bare foot. Yes, and I just want to clarify, it wasn't my feces. Yeah, I, I just stepped in it and I didn't realise because I was still drunk, and then dirtied the bed sheets with it. Oh, the God. missus was not impressed. But we'll move on. Have you have you returned to normalcy? Have you done anything that we could have done back in 2019 recently? We did go out for a meal in Italian. We were hyped for it, but then halfway through when we were sat down, we said, do we need to go out ever again? We could just be at home. If we were at home, we could be lying down already because we've finished eating and we could be sitting in softer seats. There is that added benefit to being indoors if you're in a bit of a food coma. But I enjoyed the experience because it just felt... You know, we've not done anything like that for so long. I did like it. It felt like a breath of fresh air to me. Anyway, what have you been watching this week? I watched A Quiet Place Part 2. Have you actually? Yeah. It's come out to good reviews. I agree. It is good. I recommend it. It is very much a sequel. It doesn't try anything new. So if you've seen the first one, you will know what to expect. It takes place immediately after the first film and down the road from the first film and similar events take place. But that's a good thing because I liked the first one. Emily Blunt is still good. Killian Murphy is a good addition. The son is a bit annoying. He's he's in it too much. So it's the similar setup. Nothing's changed. They're being chased by aliens occasionally and it's the same idea of the suspense in every single scene because there's always these aliens and they are aliens confirmed that might appear for the third part it splits off into two stories that killy murphy's off doing something and emily blunt's doing something and there are scenes where it tries to maintain the suspense in both scenes at the same time but when you cut in between two scenes, how can you have that full involved suspense in both? Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, It's lifting you out of each one. But it still works. It works well enough. It expands the world a little bit. You get to meet more characters. You don't get to see a big picture of what's going on in the wider world in the nation. But you see a little bit more, some more characters. I'd recommend it. Definitely. Better than the first or on par? Not as good as the first. I think because the first was more focused and surprisingly 
amazing, whereas this one is, yep, yeah, done the same again. Good job. Okay. Does it set itself up for another film or? Very much so. Yes. Okay. Even the ending is quite similar to the first film, which I won't give away. The opening scene actually is a flashback to the first day of this arrival of the aliens, which was cool. Can I ask you a question? Because I'm so hazy on my memory with the first one. Do you think it's required viewing before you go into this film or does this work independently? I think you need to see the first one. Right. Makes sense, really. Otherwise, what's the point? Just call it a loud area. Can't believe you've ventured to the cinema without me. How was that experience, James? Well, he already did it for Unhinged and Tenet, so the whole masked post-crisis cinema experience wasn't, you know, it wasn't that much of a surprise what has to happen. Yeah. John Krasinski, or however you say it, as a director, do you think he's one to watch? I don't think he's got much in his back catalogue, but judging from these two films. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I think he even, even though I wasn't keen on splitting it in two, doing simultaneous stuff, I think it works really well. There is even a Nolan-esque finale where you have two separate bits of action going on, but they are very much linked and you have the tension building in both and a kind of simultaneous payoff. So, yeah, very good. Cool. I'm looking forward to that then. What else? Probably on the smaller screen. Indeed, on Netflix, Oxygen. You've beat me to it. I was going to watch this, and I said I'd let you know whether it was worth it. But go on, you tell me. The French Buried Alive film. She's not actually Buried Alive. She's in a medical pod, but it fits in that genre. I think it might be a sequel because the opening title, it says, oh, two. (laughs) That's terrible. You you should know better. The more I say about it, (laughs) the more I say about it, the more it will be spoiled. Even saying there is something to spoil is spoiling that there are surprises. But basically, the only thing you should see is the very brief Netflix description, which is that someone wakes up in a medical pod. What do they do? How do they escape before oxygen runs out? Melanie Laurent, it's a French film. She's the one actor in it. I've, I'm not seeing her in anything else. She's very good, very watchable, and there's nice changes of pace. Even though it's all in this medical pod, it goes through different phases of, you know, I'm so horrified and surprised what's going on. Oh, I'm coming to terms with it. I'm upset. Oh, no, I'm going to fight through. You know, it does well to keep it interesting. And even though it's within that coffin, so to speak, there's a lot of nice movement around the coffin. It does manage to be visually interesting. And it's a medical pod, so there's lots of like, little bits of technology um, popping out. So it's interesting to watch. And I was watching it with the wife and we were surprised and saying, is, she, is this is this what's happening? Oh, we were really into it, really invested. So it's worthy of the positive reviews that it's getting. One of the better films on Netflix for this year. But sadly, we'll probably go under the radar because it's French. According to Wikipedia, the source of facts, Anne Hathaway was cast in this at one point. Oh, right, okay. And she was producing, but it ended up being a... You know, French. Maybe she died mid-scene because of a lack of oxygen and they replaced her. Could be. Could maybe be. maybe that was the first film. What have you been watching? I've got three this week. Two are quite short and snappy because I know I tend to go on a bit. 
Um, and I'm going to list them in order of goodness. So we'll start with the least. First off is, believe me, the abduction of Lisa McFair. And I was compelled to watch this because my stepmom, she insisted that I must because it's so damn good. And as we record, this is the number two film on Netflix in the UK. And they keep doing this. They keep picking these films out of obscurity that had no viewership. And all of a sudden, it's the most watched thing in the world. And that's similar to what I mentioned a few weeks back with the blander than bland, deadly illusions. Similarly, I said at the time with that film, it felt like a lifetime movie, but I found out that this one actually is. So that's why it felt like that. And unlike that film, this is actually fairly decent. I can't stress the word fairly enough there, though. This is never going to win any awards from a filmmaking perspective. The only thing that makes it worth watching is how unbelievable a story it is because it's based on a true story. And to summarise, I'm not going to try and do that myself. I'll just, I'll just revert to IMDb. So on the night she plans on taking her own life, a 17-year-old girl is kidnapped and finds herself fighting to stay alive. She manages to talk her attacker into releasing her, but when she returns home, no one believes her, except for one detective who suspects she was abducted by a serial killer. The reason, by the way, that she plans to take her own life is, and I'm saying this because IMDb is pretty much spoiled an hour and 10 minutes of this film with just that description alone. She's in a sexually abusive household with a grandmother and her partner. So this girl really goes through some hell and you know, sexually abused by her parents, kidnapped by a psychopath, not believed by the police. It's it's horrific, really, but it is, at the end, an inspiring story about resilience and bravery and fighting against the odds and all that lovely, warm and fuzzy bollocks. Also, worth noting, the girl who plays Lisa McFair, she is brilliant in this. For a Lifetime film, she deserves better. She's a very, very capable actress, and there's a lot demanded of her in this role, so... Props to her. Don't know your name. What was that called again? Believe me, the abduction of Lisa McFair. Okay. What else have you been watching? One step up on the goodness ranking. And and a significant jump up there. Mayor of Easttown. I mentioned the first episode a while back. And I finished it now. Uh, it's been hugely popular, this, for HBO and Sky. So much so that if news reports to be believed, the app crashed. HBO Max crashed because so many people were tuning in to watch it. So like I said, I finished it now. Brief recap, because I've spoken about it before. Small town cop, dealing with disappearances and a recent murder, and she's got her own personal issues going on following the suicide of her son. I do think that this has delusions of being something grander than it actually is, but... Essentially, it's a very, very well-scripted and directed crime drama. And I think the fact that Kate Winslet gives an outstanding performance is why they've got this heightened sense of, this is brilliant, when it's just very good. Unlike some crime dramas, this did earn every ounce of my attention. I really like the setting with this almost incestuous community. You've got this typical murder mystery hook, but there's enough interesting family drama going on. And... So much so that come the climax, I was very emotionally invested and I was in tears and so was my partner. There's some really explosive revelations and very difficult decisions that Mayor Kate Winslet's character has to make, which do leave you gobsmacked. 
it's well worth your time. Solid, solid crime drama. I wish I'd watched it from the start now, but it's still available to watch, isn't it? Until whatever date, so. 27 days to be precise. How is it almost incestuous? Do a brother and sister almost kiss then say, oh no, this is a bad idea? No, I've probably been a bit misleading there. You know where it's like such a small town community that everyone knows everyone and they've probably also had affairs with one another at some point. I might be overstating that slightly, but you know what I mean? That sort of thing. Very close-knit, like the third day with Jude Law. Yes, yes, exactly that. Right. So what else have you been watching? The best thing of the week? The best thing of the month, nay, the year. No, I'm still absorbing it, actually. I finished it less than an hour ago. But it's Inside by Bo Burnham. Um, Bo Burnham, I reviewed one of his stand-up comedy specials a few months back with Make Happy. You may recall, if you're an avid listener, I couldn't believe how good it was because I'd never heard of the thing. And, yeah, I can't speak highly enough about it. I didn't even know this was coming. Bo Burnham... We're quite familiar with him as of late because he was seen in Promising Young Woman as the love interest for Carrie Mulligan. And in this Netflix special, he's filmed this one-man show in a singular room within his house throughout the entire pandemic. So aptly titled Inside because he's stuck inside. So clever. So, so clever. He wrote, directed and edited this and he's such a talented guy. I'm so in awe of this man. He, He can act, he can sing. He's funny, but he can also be very deep at the same time, and it comes out of nowhere. It's so unexpected. I was very excited for this, and I only found out the other day that it was coming out, and it did not disappoint me at all. It sticks to his roots. It's musical comedy, as it was with his previous work. It explores themes such as capitalism, the internet age that we live in, suicide and mental health. And it does it in an extremely funny way, but it's also thought-provoking at the same time. However, there was shades of this in his last comedy special where it ended on quite a serious note and you're a bit like, oh, is this guy all right? Seriously, is he okay? This is just on the next level of that. Tonally, like I say, it's it's so odd because the comedy is there, but it feels wrong to laugh at some points. In fact, bits of it just aren't funny at all but it is kind of the point of it. It's, I suppose it's about an artist struggling with himself and what it means to be funny through the pandemic. Can we even laugh with what's going on? It, and it is him literally burying his body because he's naked quite a bit of the time, or at least just in his underpants, and his soul on camera. And it's just this really reflective exploration of the world that we're living in. The monotony of lockdown, I think it captures that quite well, but it's not boring. Um, so it's a good balance there he does find various ways of utilizing this same space throughout the whole thing in very ingenious ways with just lighting and some of the stuff like he's got his phone shoved behind his back with his flash on and every time he hits a note in a song he just flashes it by his side to create this effect and it it's just so well timed I, I loved it um i do think this is something truly special And I don't want people, I don't think this has been released on Spotify, but do not listen to the songs in isolation because this is is a journey that you go on with him and it's really important that you see it from beginning to end. As with his last performance, there's a sadness and profoundness to this that I just fell in love with. There's, There's so much more to it than your average comedy. 
I do think you should probably watch Make Happy first to get a flavour for this guy, because I think if you just come in raw, you'll think, what the hell is going on here? And not it won't quite land with you. I'm going to be thinking about this for weeks. I, I, I'm Like I said, I'm still digesting it, but I, I, I truly loved this. Sounds like it could be one of the best of the year. Could be, but would it be a film? Is it a film? I don't know. Nine out of ten on IMDb as well. Nine. Wow. Right, I'll watch it. I will watch it. I'll add it to my backlog of things that I promise I'll watch. At some point in the next ten years. Yes. Inside, colon, Bob Burnham. Or inside, Bob Burnham. Or inside, by Bob. What is the actual title? I think it's just inside. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Just search inside. It'll be there. From one of the hottest things on Netflix now to hottest news the week ago it's the real thing it is now real real news news what's news the first thing that was news to me is that indiana jones begins filming in the uk this week and not just because, oh, the filming in the UK, I didn't know that. I didn't know they'd settled on digging up Harrison Ford and making a new Indiana Jones film. Because it's been rumoured for so long, I just thought he's going to be dead by the time this gets signed off. And no, it's happening. James Mangold, who's quite a prolific director, I've got every faith, although I did in Steven Spielberg and look what happened there. He's attached. I'm interested. I'm interested. Um do you, do you want this? Do you want them to make amends for the Kingdom of the Last Skull? I'd rather they didn't know, I think. Just leave it, let it lie. I'm not looking forward to seeing the Indiana Jones character deconstructed, humiliated, and <laughs> undermined by whatever ideas they've got for him in this story. The fourth one didn't work for so many reasons. Are you willing to be pleasantly surprised, though? Yes, yes. Okay. But okay. They, they can't, you can't, you just can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can't recapture the magic of the original trilogy. You just can't. And they already retired the character in the final moments of The Last Crusade, where Indiana Jones's father says, let it go, just let it go. He lets go of the grail, chooses life instead, and rides off literally into the sunset. That was the end of that character. You were a big fan as well, weren't you, of the original trilogy? I'm not even a big fan. I'm not a big fan. Oh, okay. I like the, I like the first one and the third one. I really like the third one a lot. I controversially think the third one is the best one. Oh, how dare you. I, I do see where you're coming from because I think they should have just left it. But you said you can't cap, recapture the magic. Maybe they can can't base it off the last film because that was just an absolute dud. Maybe that's just a playbook of what not to do and they'll learn from that. But hey-ho. What about you, James? What's What's been in the headlines that have graced your eyeballs? I looked to the BBC News Entertainment and Arts section and I found that Corey actor Colson Smith has made, has made a documentary about losing weight and he says, I've been trolled over my weight for 10 years and he's not happy, really, with being called the fat kid from Corrie. 
for all these years, which I think is, is very good. And it's a documentary about him taking up exercise during the pandemic. And he wants to move away from this image and sort of beat the trolls, which is very good, very positive. However, the name of the documentary is Bored of Being the Fat Kid, which seems to contradict the idea of wanting to not be called the fat kid anymore, because this is the first that I've ever heard of him. And I'm being introduced to him as the fat kid. Yeah, it's, mm, it's a bit counterproductive, that, isn't it? And I laughed, by the way, whilst you were saying all that. I'm not laughing at him being labelled the fat kid. I'm laughing at how abhorrent that is. Right? Just about that. Yeah. Another one that's very specific for UK viewers, Holby City, which originally started as a spin-off from Casualty in 1999. It's ending after 23 years. Holby City. Never watched it. <laughs> no, neither of that. I used to be a big fan of Casualty back in the day. But that was enough blood and death for me to put up with as a young child on a Friday or Saturday evening, when, whenever it was. Never watched Holby City. Can't say I'm that moved. Guest stars from years gone by include Letitia Wright and Olivia Coleman. Oh, really? Was Lisa Faulkner in Holby City or was it a casualty? I can never remember. I think she was, yeah. So it has, it has been some talent that's grown from the Holby City, whatever you'd call it, Institute, franchise, no, shut up, Dan. The Casualty Expanded Universe. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that on this article on the BBC News website, the comment section is all people asking to cancel other programmes. <laughs> They're saying, good, now please cancel EastEnders. Don't replace it with another reality show. Oh, There's a lot of people saying, please cancel EastEnders next which is very funny. People have signed up to the BBC website, given their information to the BBC, to then complain about the programmes that are on the BBC. It's a sinking ship. There's a Partridge-esque suggestion. It's to be replaced by Celebrity Shed Building with Dick and Dom. <laughs> oh, I'd watch it. That's the worrying yeah. thing. Yeah. What about I Can See Your Voice? Cancel that. That's the general mood in these... Uh, comments on the bbc website yeah get rid of reality singing shows and that's what i've managed to dig out from the bbc well we'll drift back off to hollywood for a short while as there's more news this week that the joker a sequel it's happening maybe so obviously the joker came out is in 2019 sure yeah yes yeah. feels very recent but we've hardly lived since then, have we, to be quite honest. So made a billion dollars at the box office, a, a slew of awards. It, it did ever so well. And it is by far the best thing DC, or the only good thing DC has done in years. But just leave it at that. I don't, I don't want them to taint this. It was such a good film. I don't know how they're going to recreate that again and have it have the impact that it did. It, it was a very timely piece as well. The only thing that I'm holding out hope for is Todd Phillips, who wrote and directed, I think he wrote, definitely directed, the first Joker film. He's back, or he's in talks, to, to co-write the sequel. So that gives me a bit of faith. What are your thoughts on this? Do we need it, really? No, we don't need it. I'm so, I'm We'll see what story there is to tell. What story is there to tell when the first one was barely a Joker film? It was a film about a guy slowly going a bit 
a bit mad, a little bit mad. So what's this going to be? Is he going to have his crew of henchmen? I don't know. We'll see. I don't know what the story to tell is is going to be. I'm deeply troubled by your by you saying that he went a little bit mad. I really don't know what your definition of full-blown insane is then. If you said I went to Tesco and went a little bit mad and did one or two things that Joaquin Phoenix does in this film, well, one, you'd be in prison. Two, you'd probably be in a mental institute. So, mm. I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> then say no more, James. Save your energy as we head in to conflicts of interest. What are you talking about, yeah? I very much disagree Shut up, with yeah. that. Two. You do not have good opinions. What an idiot. I hate everything. You can't even speak. Nothing you say makes sense. Conflicts of interest. In conflicts of interest this week, we're going to predict the top five grossing films at UK cinemas, because cinemas are open again. It's been a slow start by all accounts, though, hasn't it? I think The Conjuring 3 is the most profitable film of the year thus far and it's been out a week well that would make sense because cinemas have been open a week and so is the film james do you want to kick start this discussion by telling me your top five grossing films of the summer yes from one to five number one no time to die james bond two dune or dune three fast and furious nine fast nine four black widow number five the suicide squad um we have very similar but different lists what's your predicted top five number one suicide squad number two no time to die three black widow four wrath of man it's a bit of a wild card that i don't know why i've put that in there i want to change it five conjuring three can i ask you a question with regards to black widow yes you can is it lower down on your list because of its simultaneous release on Disney Plus? Yes, and I'm not sure. I don't know whether anyone really cares about a film that is about a dead character. And maybe the momentum from the MCU isn't there anymore. So for those two reasons. Okay. I definitely see why you put Fast 9 in there. The only reason I didn't was because it's already out in some countries, isn't it? And it's not got very good reviews. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm not going to take it back, but I think that it's a popular, well-loved franchise. And I was hesitant because it's 24th of June, which is quite early on. But that in the UK, that's the first weekend of the scheduled full release of restrictions, which is 21st of June. So I'm thinking maybe people will go absolutely mad and just think, right, we're going to do something. Fast nine. Yeah. How many films have we got repeated there between us? Well, yeah, we've both said James Bond, Suicide Squad, and Black Widow. Right. Okay. I've only put Suicide Squad first, by the way, because I think it has the potential to be. I know I've just said the Joker was the only decent thing DC has done in years, but that might change that bad run that they've had, and I think people will lap it up. James Gunn is brilliant. I like everything he's done. So I've got a lot of uh, hope for this. Yeah, and the trailer got hype as well. We've both put Bond in there. I put it in because it's Bond. The film has been advertising itself just by delaying constantly, and it's 30th of September, so by that time, there'll be more people going in. 
to the cinemas. That's the reason I put that up. You're, I'd put it as number one. You put it as number two. So I think we're both pretty confident about them. Chances for that. I've put Dune in. and You've not put Dune in at all. I've put Dune in quite high because I think the cast is so huge. It looks like such a big blockbuster that I think it will draw people in. I think people will go for it. And again, that one's in September where there'll be more people going in and things will be more normal. Shall I tell you why I've not? Shoot. I think HBO Max will surprise drop on us between now and September, and this will be one of the offerings for why you should sign up. HBO Max will drop on us in the UK, you mean? Yes, sorry. Should have right, okay. Uh, because obviously that's one of Warner Brothers' day and date releases on HBO Max and in cinemas, so I, th- I think that's what will happen there. But that that is a, a really bold prediction. And I just don't know how many people want to watch it, to be honest. I think it looks good. I think it looks very good. And like you said, the star power's there, but I don't know. I can imagine a lot of adults our age flocking out to watch it. I think it's a very good offering for film goers, you know. I've probably been a bit harsh on it there as well, because it, it, it forgive me. It's based on a very well loved book, isn't it, Gene? Yeah, and a famous film from the 80s. I think everyone of a certain age knows about the original Dune. Well, on that basis, James, I think you might have beat me. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Can I ask you about Wrath of Man? I've got no idea what that is. It, it's not on the list of Cineworld films that I drew my top five from. It's the new Guy Ritchie film with Jason Statham, which has done very well in the US. And it's come out to very positive user reviews, but a bit of a mixed critical reception. So a Guy Ritchie film, British, we're in the UK, UK box office predictions, just thought it was a lazy plug-in, to be honest. I didn't know what else to put there, so I just put Wrath of Man, and I'm sure I'll be proven wrong. Neither of us have put Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, the other summer Marvel CU offering. The reason I've put it in is because of what we discussed last week. I just don't think there's any interest in that character. Yeah, and I did the same for the same reason. Do you have a surprise hit contender? Something which is not in your top five, but you think could come out of nowhere and do extremely well? Jungle Cruise, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt. I think if it gets good reviews, I think it might get people's attention. Everyone loves The Rock, but people only watch The Rock films if they're actually good, if you know what I mean. People don't just watch films with Dwayne Johnson because it's Dwayne Johnson. They also have to be good. When they are good, it seems like people do watch them. And I think Emily Blunt will be fresh in people's minds because of Quiet Place Part 2. So when that starts to get promoted, people think, oh, there's Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt from Quiet Place. Oh, and it's supposed to be good. Let's go and watch it. I think there's a chance for that to happen. Yeah, 100%. What about you? What's your honourable mention? I'm throwing a curveball in because I don't know if it's out, but I'm sure I've seen that it is. And it's uh, Space Jam 2. I'm sure it's out over the summer. I don't know what the appetite is fully, And from memory, I didn't like Space Jam, and I'm sure a lot of other people didn't as well. But, you know, maybe it will lean on a few people from a nostalgia point of view, and they go, oh, I'll take my family to go and see this, and maybe they've made improvements on what was a fairly middle-of-the-road film last time around, and they've done it right. Okay. Space Jam, A New Legacy. 
You're right, it's out in July. We will reveal the result in four months' time. <laughs> How will we structure that? Should we do a point for it being in the top five, an additional five points for getting the placement right? Yes, let's do that. Okay, just thinking on my feet there. It's rapid-fire rules. Speaking of rules, is one of the rules for watching this week's Men Review, The Conjuring, that you need to watch the other two first? Find out now with our Men Review. Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Hold me sit back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. I've literally just said it, but to be completely clear, this week's Men Review is The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. The court accepts the existence of God every time a witness swears to tell the truth. I think it's about time they accept the existence of the devil. You okay there? Jesus. I think I hurt someone. Arnie Johnson pled not guilty. We think this family was cursed. By reason of demonic possession. I am not going before a grand jury and saying he was possessed by demons. Whatever happened that day, that was not Arnie. Paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren take on one of the most sensational cases of their careers after a cop stumbles upon a dazed and bloodied young man walking down the road. Accused of murder, the suspect claims demonic possession as his defence, forcing the Warrens into a supernatural inquiry unlike anything they've seen before. James, not your wheelhouse, it's mine, so I'm ever so curious. What did you think of The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It? I haven't seen the other films in The Conjuring universe, so I can't comment on how it fits in with the rest. I'm leaving that to you. I'm coming in fresh. It's set up very nicely. Prove that this murder was a possession. Off you go. Investigation follows, and then you get a bit of exposition, travelling, scary action, Exposition, travelling, scary action, and it kept moving along nicely in that rhythm. I was never bored. My understanding is that The Conjuring is an exceptionally well-made horror film. This is the first one. That is better than it has any right to be. Is that true? I think that's fair. I think that is very fair. That's the reputation I've, I've gathered. And this one, Conjuring 3, is not directed by James Wan. And watching it, I didn't think there was anything special style-wise. 
there's a nice long shot into the dog kennels, but there's not a lot to make me think, oh, this is really well made and well shot, especially coming off Cruella last week, which was stylish nonstop. Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. What a pairing. I've been missing out. I need to see the other films. They work well together. They make you believe what they believe. Demonic possession is a real problem. They are the experts. They have chemistry. This is is known. I think it's been known for eight years since the first film came out. John Noble, as the creepy guy who lives by himself, was a notable addition for me because he's in Lord of the Rings. He plays Denethor. So it was good to see him. He could sit in silence, still doing nothing, and you'd know something's not right with him. But it's a horror film. What about the horror? I was not expecting an out-and-out bloodbath. I know it's not that kind of series. It's more creepy scares and atmosphere, and no one turns on the lights ever. Just turn on the lights. I wasn't terrified, but it is scary. There are some genuinely creepy moments, like the fat, slimy zombie man. But I really want to hear your thoughts. This is one of your most anticipated films of the summer. You're a horror aficionado. So, Daniel, what did you think of The Conjuring 3, colon, The Devil Made Me Do It? So, yeah, it's one of my most anticipated films of the summer. And I'm a huge fan of the previous two films. I've probably said that a few times now. But not the surrounding universe. I've seen a few of them. I like the idea of continuing this on as a series following this husband and wife pair because, like you said, they've got chemistry and they work well together. So I was really excited for this and the first out into a cinema in quite a while, a lot of things stacked in its favour. But did it live up to expectations? The opening scene didn't fill me with confidence because it felt like stock horror. I thought, oh, brilliant, another child exorcism, not seen that for a while. And then I said non-verbally to myself, don't be so cynical, give it a chance. It's the conjuring after all. And you've come to expect quality and a superior genre film. Do you, know, do you know what? I don't even see the point in building up to it, such as my disdain for this film. No, it did not live up to my expectations at all. This is one of the most boring cinema-going experiences I've had in my life. I thought it was awful. I thought it was sheer awful. I've absolutely no idea how it's got an IMDb score of 7 out of 10, because that's on par with the other Conjuring films, and this is not in the same league. It's just not. I need to breathe. It's formulaic and predictable to the point of being mind-numbingly dull. To say I was underwhelmed is a massive understatement. I don't know. I don't know if my standards have changed or whether maybe my memory of the previous two films is a bit overinflated or perhaps I just hyped it up too much in my head. But to me, this is just straight up unimaginative bore fest. The plot is as paper thin as they come, which is annoying because the story on paper is intriguing. First murder case when someone's claiming demonic possession. Oh, I'll watch that. Brilliant. But it's not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like a courtroom drama. And I've, I've heard a few people say that the trailer makes it seem like they've gone a bit left field and they were taking this in another direction. But instead, it's a retread of demonic possession films that I've seen well we've all seen a thousand times over and it criminally doesn't even deliver on that front I've seen this done but to a higher standard time and time again 
And honestly, if I have to see another horror film using body contortion as a means of freaking me out, that that stopped being scary about five years ago after a hundred films did the same thing, come up with something new. I also don't think the story comes together very well. I don't know who the villain is or what the motivation was. We'll come on to that in spoilers. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are good, but I felt like they were wasted in this and they're given some of the worst dialogue to work with. There's one scene when they first get handed the case. Ed Warren, Patrick Wilson, turns to his wife and says, where do we start? To which she says, at the beginning. Are you trying to be profound or are you being sassy? Probably neither. It's just a bad script. Later on, they assist out of nowhere, I might add. Well, it's not out of nowhere, but it doesn't quite make coherent sense. They assist with this other murder case and a detective who's working with them, he refers to Vera Farmiga's psychic abilities and he says to Patrick Wilson, are you afraid she won't be able to do it? And he responds with, no, I'm afraid that she will. Give me a in break. You've mentioned it. There's a change of director here and I think the dramatic dip in quality is aligned to that because Michael Chavez or Chavez, whatever it might be, he directed The Curse of Lalona, which is part of this universe, but it's shit and it's universally agreed that it's shit. So why, why, why have you let him take the reins on this? So all in all, I thought it was very good, just not as good as I hoped. I'm joking. I thought it was terrible. I'm shook. I'm shook. I was not expecting this. I know that it's had middling reviews. The Rotten Tomatoes critical consensus is that it is a come down, but still fresh. This is one of the most negative reviews you've ever given. This is up there or down there with Mulan and Looted. It is. And I, I do want to stress, though, I think you've perfectly exemplified this. If you're not a horror fan or you're a casual horror fan, I think you'll think, well, that was okay. But if you've come to love this franchise and you're expecting a lot of it, it just doesn't deliver. And that's why I'm being so harsh because I'm just so let down. I think you've hit the nail on the head there or the cross on the altar. I'm not a horror fan. I know that contorting bodies, I'm glad you brought that up. I know that contorting possessed bodies has been seen for years. Even I've seen that before, but I still was impressed by it because I personally have not seen it that much. Mm even though I know it's a cliche, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right, yeah. So I was entertained by that, and I like how it's not just contorting, they sort of speed it up a little bit, mm. make it look a bit more creepy. So I thought that was that was fine. One thing to pick up on from what you've said is that the courtroom drama, or lack of, so the film starts off setting up a courtroom fight, doesn't it? That's the, the, that's the plot, is... He's on trial for murder. We need to prove it's demonic possession. And there's a really good line from Patrick Wilson when that's being set up where he says, everyone has to swear on the Bible that they're going to tell the truth. So if the court believes in God, it must also believe in the devil. And that was a really good line. And it set up quite a lot of ideas there, I think, philosophically. None of that's followed up. Court case is set aside and they go on an adventure into a forest. So I, I, yeah, I agree on that point. I've not seen the trailer, so I can't comment on that. But yes, yeah, so the start sets something up, a courtroom demon case that never is never delivered. 
And do you know why I think they don't deliver on it is because they couldn't contribute to it. The real story of what happened here was they entered a demonic possession defence, but they basically got laughed at and said, well, you're not having that because no one was going to buy into it. I don't think they had any story to tell of how they proved it because they didn't. 95% of what happens in this film never happened at all. This whole side story about the curse and all that rubbish, that's just fabricated for this film. It is literally, somebody was murdered, they said they were possessed, and the Warrens went, well, we believe in that. Yeah, we'll back him up. Nothing else. Nothing else. Okay. Yeah, I, I looked into that a little bit as well. The judge threw it out, and then that was the end of it. The jury never actually heard the demonic possession defense. The judge threw it out. It never even made it into the, the trial. I would have rather scrap the based on a true story, keep these two based on real-life characters, and completely make up somebody having to prove to a court that the devil is real. That's a far more interesting concept than where this film goes, which is down a rabbit hole that we've seen countless times. So, yeah. yeah. Or, yes, like do that, but weave in some of the stuff that's in this, like creepy possession stuff. Yeah. Just anything but what we got. <laughs> I'm still I'm still in shock from how, how negatively you're... Uh... You're responding. And and the fact that you you're saying it was okay, aren't you? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. That's made me feel a bit more, hmm, maybe I am being a bit too harsh, but then again, we're coming at it from very different angles because I'm a fan, you're not. So I'm gonna stick to it. I'm not gonna go back on my word. Another complaint, sorry, just with the body contorting stuff, everything in this film felt gimmicky. Like when the lighting is red flashing lights, lightning, just to add to the mood. But it was like, this is so horror film 101. Just give me something new, please. And it just didn't exist. I've got a good example of that for you, even though I'm the one saying it's okay. There was a scene where I thought they were subverting the jump scare stuff. The guy sees the cereal box move. Oh, yeah. It falls behind a wall. He goes around the other side of the wall. You think jump scare, something's going to be there. There's nothing there. A mouse jumps out. He follows the mouse, looks through a hole. You think there's going to be a jump scare. There's going to be something on the other side of the hole. There's not. He pulls back. You think, oh, it's kind of teasing jump scares, but it's not going to do it. But then there's the most predictable jump scare of all, which is when he backs away from the wall, there's the creepy non-woman behind him the camera kind of pines over to her jump scare. He turns around, she's not there. That was a bit disappointing to have such a traditional jump scare in. Creepy woman behind you. That's what this reeks of to me, was laziness. First most anticipated film of the summer, done and dusted, and I couldn't be more fuming. Wow. James, would you recommend it? <sighs> I don't think it's worth your first cinema trip in a year. But if you see it pop up on some on-demand service owned by Sky or HBO in the future, check it out. Daniel, would you recommend The Conjuring 3? The Devil Made Me Do It. I'm going to stay firm with a flat no, and I would actively encourage people that when it turns up on streaming services, 
hit the thumbs down button despite even watching it. Just as a big F you. Right, shall we spoil an already ruined film? Yes. Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. The plot is set into motion. The Warrens have to prove that demonic possession caused the murder. They go on an investigation which eventually leads them to a woman who has been interested in the occult for some time. She's a Satanist. She's got a curse on this boy. It needs to be fulfilled by a murder and a suicide. The Warrens fight her in her underground lair and this Satanist dies instead. Over in the courtroom, the man is found guilty of manslaughter only and serves five years in prison. Yeah, you actually clarified something for me there. So I thought there was no logic to her cursing this particular family. And there's not really, it could have been anyone, but I didn't know why. And you explaining that it needed to be a murder and a suicide. She's just gone, I'll pick them. But for me, that's what I was referring to before. I think I'd checked out and missed that explanation and just thought, oh, we've got an occultist out of nowhere. Why are you doing this? And why do I care? Turned out I didn't care in the slightest, but yeah, just... What I don't think is explained is that she summons this demon, but then she has to cast a curse that requires a murder and suicide to put the demon back. So you've summoned this demon, and I have to go to all this effort to put him back. I wasn't sure what she was up to, really. It's nice they explain that she was secretly raised by John Noble's character, and he's trying to collect satanic stuff. Or he's know. trying to protect people from it, but having all this creepy stuff in his house makes his daughter interested in it. It doesn't really explain why she's doing what she's doing. You know, there's not a lot going on with her. What did you think? I thought this was an interesting parallel to what you were speaking about earlier on in the episode. So towards the end, we have the climactic showdown between the Warrens and this occultist. And then simultaneously, you have someone having another demonic possession encounter and the two play out side by side much like what you discussed with a quiet place too how did this stack up in comparison quiet place two was better i'm really glad you brought that up because i've forgotten to write it down so i'll discuss <laughs> this without spoiling quiet place part two but yes it does the same thing there is two fights happening at the same time so in quiet place two there's parallel scenes of fighting against the aliens and then in The Conjuring 3, there's a parallel scene of the Warrens are fighting the actual Satanist woman with her demonic powers and the possessed lad, he's fighting with his girlfriend. So yeah, it's, it's really similar and the way that they both end is, re- is very similar as well, where one kind of relies on the other in terms of whether they win or not. But Quiet Place is is better because everything that was leading up to it is more emotional investment in in Quiet Place too. Whereas when it is dealing with the boy who's actually done the murder, we don't really care about him. Mm. He disappears from the story. So then when he's at the end, almost going to kill himself, it's like, well, okay, I'm not really bothered about him. I'm more worried about the Warrens. Can I ask you about something else that might be a result of me not paying attention? 
why does the murderer's girlfriend and whoever that bloke is that she's with, Drew, I don't know who he is, why do they live in the Warren house for a period of time? How does that come about? Why are they there? And how does this guy just magically stumble upon a book of witchcraft that he presents? I thought that just seemed really lazily shoved in, and I thought, I don't get what's going on here. I didn't get that either, not going to lie. I didn't even get whose house they were in half the time because everyone was in just these dimly lit houses. I wasn't even clear on what everyone's relationships were at the first scene because it just throws you straight in without explaining who's related to who. Anyway, yeah, when he produces the book of witchcraft, he says, I found it. Where? When? Who are you? How do you know this is relevant? Everyone accepts it as relevant information. Vera Farmiga has psychic abilities. Is that established in the first film that she has psychic abilities? Now you're asking. It, I think it is suggested, but I think it's played on a lot heavier in this film than it is in the previous two. Like she has a full on, oh, I've re envisaged what happened here with this crime. That's never really done with, and she never seems to transport herself to somewhere else. Okay, because she's a full-on demon whisperer in this film. Yeah. And she says, the gateway, the, the doorway, it goes both ways. I don't know what doorway she was talking about. I don't know what that she meant by both ways. Yeah, but I was entertained. Okay. Oh, actually, we were going to wrap up, but I wanted to ask you, what did you think of... I read somewhere that people are seeing this as more of a love story in some respects, than a horror. I definitely don't agree with that. But do you feel as though the love story between them two is honoured? I guess it's really difficult for you to say because you haven't seen the previous two films, but it just landed flat for me. I didn't even care about it. There's this tender moment at the end where he's created this little, I don't know what you'd call it. Gazebo? Yeah, we'll go with that. He's created that, and that's that's a memory from how they first met together. Very nice of him, but I couldn't give a toss, mate. I could see what they were trying to do. So she randomly explains how they met 30 years ago because someone asks. And then they don't seem to have any sort of relationship troubles for one hour and 30 minutes of the film. And then at the end, when Patrick Wilson is possessed, Vera Farmiga is trying to say, remember me, remember me. And then he does remember her. He breaks the demonic possession and breaks the altar. And then I think that's why you get at the end. Oh, I do remember you. Here's a replica of the place where we first met. But it doesn't work because the only reason he doesn't remember is because he's demonically possessed. Mm. Not because there's some actual relationship turmoil going on. There is a bit. He keeps forgetting to take his damn pills. And then she's got she's got one pill in her locket. Oh, that annoyed me as well. I, I didn't like that. Didn't like a lot by the sounds of it, did I? So, <sighs> right, let's. For me, anyway, I want to just forget this. So, what what have we got to look forward to next week? Next week, from mainstream to indie, newly released in UK cinemas, it's the killing of two lovers. But we'll review some mainstream stuff on streaming services as well. So, please still listen. Thank you very much for listening. If you do wish to give us any feedback or support this podcast, please do so by following us as 
what? Following us at In the Isles Podcast on Instagram, or you can give us a five star review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Email us in the Isles Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Good night. Thank you for listening. Thank you.